Broadcasting live from the Zimmer Communications World Headquarters. This is Wake Up Mid-Missouri. Get ready, pal. This is Stephanie Bell, joined today by guest co-host Mark Ellinger. Good morning. I've got producer Hannah in the house. What up? On the last, can you believe it, the last show of the year. So sad. Oh, I'm getting a little teary-eyed. Are we ready? Hannah's like, I'm ready to wrap up 2023. (laughs) I spent the last month sick. Just look at us springing into 2024. I I am positive. I am excited. I'm one of those people. I like to set goals and I like to turn over a new leaf um, and and like a new year, fresh start. I just I'm totally jazzed. So we'll do some year in stuff today and our regular uh, feel good Friday stuff. Of course, uh, most people are wearing red. I actually uh, am wearing black and gold because it's Mizzou and Mark is frustrated with me. Just see if you can see. I've got the Mizzou shirt on underneath. I have Mizzou stuff in the car. I mean, here I go. I make this huge sacrifice (laughs) to wear red today. I couldn't not wear red, so I do have my little red bracelet on today as well. I am also wearing red under my gray hoodie. It was a little little chilly. It was. So, yes, if you have not peeked outside, you might be caught by surprise like some of us were this morning. I felt like a news reporter this morning or like a news anchor reporting live from the scene out on the roads i texted stephanie this morning said hey by the way uh i was caught off guard by how much snow was on the ground this morning so just passing that along and i would have been horribly caught off guard and hannah knows i like to kind of cut it close with uh my timing and i don't give myself a lot of extra time brian um i mean just quickly what what should people know and i want to remind everyone i told everybody (laughs) 24 hours ago, two days in a row, and I was I was spot on. With no you one likes it. and I told you so, yeah, Brian. I'm gonna, Come I'm, gonna, on. I'm gonna give it in this situation, <laughs> but I did I did quote the weather service, so um, and the numbers were pretty similar to what we were expecting. I I do think that uh, Hannah's correct on this. That you know we're we're talking about an inch to inch and a half. We have one report Bethel, which is just just outside the listening area, northeast uh, Missouri in in uh, Shelby County. We go up and uh, into uh, certainly uh, the the ninety three nine the Eagle listening area Monroe. They had two point eight inches. Wow. Columbia one inch officially to an inch and a half. I talked to Jared Maples on the phone this morning, St. Louis meteorologist, National Weather Service. I know in, in my home in Columbia, uh, it was a little bit more than that on my car, co- probably closer to two. And then Jefferson City officially, they're reporting 1.25 inches. The good news is that's primarily on cars, elevated areas in the, uh, the crews did a really nice job overnight plowing, but for, for sure, and this is going to continue all morning, this on, on and off. So you definitely expect the snow to continue. Yeah, Driving up from Jeff City, it's like a blizzard out there. The snow is coming so hard, particularly in Jeff City, but it's not sticking on the roads. Correct. So the roads themselves, but I mean, I had a good two inches of snow on the bushes yes. and trees and things out in the in the yard this morning. It started last night by like nine o'clock at night or so. The snow flurry started coming down. Yes, and that was that was in Jefferson City and Columbia. It was a, bit, a little bit closer to seven thirty, and they were predicting, I think, in my story yesterday, six to nine. So it was a little slow coming down from Iowa. 
But by afternoon, it will be off of here, and then we'll finally get some dry time. But the roads are very wet. Um, temperatures are above freezing, but not by much. In one way, I'm kind of excited because it was such a bizarre Christmas in that we had, it was like 50 degrees on <laughs> Christmas, and we're celebrating more Christmases this weekend, like I know many people around mid-Missouri are, and so we kind of get a little white Christmas, extended white Christmas. So I like that, but it also at the same time makes me jealous for all the folks who I saw left for Dallas this week, mm. including some of our friends here. I think we're going to be talking with Fred Perry, who is at the Cotton Bowl at 810. We're also going to get to chat with Grant Norfleet. Now, he is the local, uh, I want to say kid. He's not a kid. He's he is an adult. Um, He's a college student. Yes. Uh, but he was recently elected as a national officer for FFA, which is a huge deal to have mm-hmm. someone from Missouri on that board. So we're excited to chat with him at 710. We will also talk with regular guest Scott Vaughn uh, just after 730. Uh, kind of just a recap. Um, I got to participate in one of his midweek updates yesterday, and we were talking kind of about the biggest stories on the state level um, from the past year. So we'll do that. Um, but tonight, let's get a preview. I've got two people in the studio. Who love football? Now Hannah loves football too. But what are we expecting? I know they said the line changed recently, um, and so uh, I, I mean, and, and I and I don't know enough about sports betting. Don't want to know about sports betting oh, in that on. way. Come <laughs> on, Stephanie. I, I mean, I want betting, this is like your wheelhouse. I want all my friends to be able to sports bet. I just have never personally participated sure. because it's still illegal in it Missouri, thanks yes. to our state legislature. And I wish that was different. And I want to learn about it, but right now, um, it's not something we can do in Missouri. But tell us, Brian. What should we expect tonight? Well, I'd, I'd be curious on Mark and Hannah's take, too. But the, 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 basically, the matchup is this. It's a top 10 matchup. Ohio State is number, number, uh, uh, number seven in the country. They were marching down the field against Michigan in the game, in the Thanksgiving weekend game. Um, Mark, I know, was watching the game and marching down. And Ryan uh, McCord, Kyle McCord, threw a pass. A lot of Ohio State fans thought maybe it was trapped. It look, appeared to, it was close. It looked like an interception. Either way, they lost a very tight game. That was their only loss. Had they won that, Al, uh, Georgia got beat, by the way, that later that day. They would have been number one playing in the playoffs. So this is a very good football team. Mizzou is ranked at number nine. Uh, they have played each other a number times over the years 10 1 and 1 mark will remember this and i'm going to have this at the bottom of the hour on both stations the only coach to ever beat ohio state thus far hopefully alaya does it tonight al on a frio 1976 and i mark and i remember it it was it was one of the biggest upsets i've ever seen a guy named pete woods Mm -hmm. harriet woods' son Led the uh, the team on a two point conversion, and the, the the town just went crazy that day in a positive way. And I remember all the people out at the airport to greet Al Onofrio when he came back. Yeah, it's uh, <clears throat> there's not a huge rivalry between. We played a few times in the eighties. Yes, uh, it didn't turn out well for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, or maybe it was the nineties. I guess it was the nineties. Ninety seven and ninety eight didn't turn out all that great for us. Um, we did have. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of history between the two schools that overlap. Lots of lots of folks that have a lot of overlap. I think the line thing's actually interesting because the line started with it uh, Ohio State being favored, um, depending on where you start at, by six and a half or seven points, uh, and then Cal McCord, who's the quarterback who led him to an eleven and one season, yes. announced he's leaving. He's now going to Syracuse, I believe. Yes, uh, and suddenly the line dropped almost overnight from that to about two-and-a-half to three-point favorite for Ohio State. That seems to be where it's kind of held out at. Um, It's interesting, Marvin Harrison Jr., who was the... I think the third vote getter in the Heisman this mm-hmm. year uh, has said has has said he's going to the NFL, 
but he traveled with the team, so there's a lot of speculation as to whether he will play or not. I frankly think he will not play, Mm -hmm. but uh, that'll be interesting. And it's an opportunity for Mizzou to make a mark on the stage. If you uh, if you want to if you want to play with the big boys in the SEC, you have to win these games. You yeah, can't lose them, and we have not done well in bowl games in the last few years. You're spot on, Mark. I mean, everything you just said is spot on. And I did check Ohio State's website even this morning, just before the show for my sportscast. And uh, you're absolutely right. And they they indicate there'll be several guys making game time decisions about players. They don't mention names, but we know Harrison is going to be one of those. And Devin. Brown's going to get the call, uh, the the quarterback. Not a lot of people know him, but he's he's pretty good as a backup quarterback, quote-unquote. So it should be a great game. should be a lot of fun. ESPN-TV, and then, of course, KWS uh, is our sister station we're on right now, is going to be carrying the game. A couple of other Zimmer stations as well. I think it's going to be great. Yeah, Hannah, what time does pregame start tonight on KWS? Pregame starts at 5 o'clock. Awesome. All right. Well, have they? you said you checked their website. Have they yes. said anything about how they're enjoying the desert? That's been my favorite story <laughs> yeah. this week so far. Mark, did you see that? You're looking a little confused. <laughs> no, I, as soon as it clicked after, I was like, yeah, yeah I, that's right. Somebody said they went out to the Fiesta Bowl, didn't they? Went, yes. Or went out to Arizona, got yes. out to Arizona for the and, desert. And, and, yeah, and they Dallas said, is not exactly the desert. No, it's not, not exactly. But even a, in the least. But a lot of fans will be there um, in, in, in Dallas and, and just a great atmosphere um, tonight. And uh, you're going to see a lot of guys tonight on both teams that will be playing on Sunday soon. They, uh, that game sold out yes, it incredibly is. quickly. Uh, my kids are actually going to it, and I was, I mean, I've gone to bowl games before. I was shocked at the price tag for the tickets, <laughs> and they didn't buy them through the third or fourth hand market. I mean, they, they they were able to get actually regular the first run of tickets, and I couldn't believe how expensive tickets were for this bowl game. Uh, there'll be, I mean, there'll be a large crowd there, and I think the Mizzou players are going to be motivated more, perhaps, than Ohio State. Ohio State comes off a disappointing end of the season. Mizzou has a lot ahead of them, so I think there's a, there should be an exciting game. It's certainly one that I'm definitely clearing my calendar to watch. But I cleared that calendar the day they announced the game. Should be fun, it's, and it's a New Year's Six Bowl too. Yeah. It is, even though it's tonight. It is a New Year's Six Bowl. It's huge, and it's the third time we've played in the Cotton Bowl in, yep. in relatively recent history. Um, you know, when we we had that season where we almost won the Big Twelve, we ended up playing Arkansas in it. Yep. The season we almost won the SEC, we ended up playing Oklahoma State in it, and then this year we get Ohio State. Exactly. That's I'll, spot on. All right. Well, I know I'm feeling good about the Mizzou game and excited to watch tonight. Um, we are celebrating a feel-good Friday, so text us at 573-874-9390 about what you are feeling good about. We put up a post earlier this week, too, about what's something that has made your life better in 2023, a product a service, a new habit. And we said, maybe instead of winners and losers this week, uh, you guys have some really good ideas. You guys had a really good year. So uh, you can get on our, um, you can text us or you can get on our Facebook page and chime in. We'll be doing that at 8.30. And did you see the recent Zimmer recap, Hannah? We had a really good year here at Zimmer. I don't think I saw that. It's on the socials, but we have had so many great things uh, to be thankful for and had a really good year here at Zimmer. Um, some of our Zimmer cohorts won some huge awards, uh, Mercury Awards, Marconi Awards, Broadcaster Association Awards, Gracie Awards. I mean, just these are national awards that this, you know, Midmo station is, is bringing home so that we brought home a lot of hardware this year. So very exciting. But then also, I think my favorite part of the recap always is um, the part where they talk about all of the work that Zimmer does for the community. And I just want to give a shout out to the family because, of course, we couldn't do any of that without your help this year, children 
Children's Miracle Network had a record-breaking year, raising more than $260,000, so huge there. And then for the Central Missouri Honor Flight, uh, we... Um, we, as a wake-up family and as a Zimmer community and a mid-Missouri community, raised $125,000. So uh, definitely things to be feeling good about as we close out 2023. Now, uh, something I don't feel very good about, Mark. <laughs> oh, there it is. There it is. I know. I really don't. Um, Trump and yesterday, and we, we've, we've got to get to the Daily DC rundown. So I'm not uh, sure you said that in the order you wanted to say. Oh, what did That's I say? Something I don't really feel good about Trump. Oh, well, yeah. No, I don't feel good about the state of Maine. And, and, and so we had bad news out of Colorado last week. Uh, we had bad news out of Maine yesterday. They are kicking Trump off the primary ballot, but we've got to talk about it's different than what Colorado did. And so that will be coming up next in your Daily DC rundown. This is Wake Up Mid-Missouri. Miss some of the show? Check out our podcast at 939theeagle.com. Yesterday, late yesterday, we heard that uh, Maine is now kicking Trump off the ballot. Now, that follows what Colorado did, uh, and that is getting us into our daily D.C. rundown. Now, Colorado was different than Maine, and actually, Trump is going to be on the primary ballot in Colorado, right, Mark? They've appealed. Yeah, they've appealed. And so it stayed. Uh, And I think the ballots get printed, like, next week. So unless the Supreme Court does something really crazy, I mean... The moral of the story is he should probably be on the primary ballot. They're, they're going to have the Supreme Court will have to do something with it. Okay, they don't have a choice. Well, because there are many states. In fact, uh, one website that's keeping a list says there are ten other states still debating whether Trump will be eligible for their primary ballot. Now, our Secretary of State Jay Ashcroft has said he will appear on the ballot. <laughs> um, of course, we're doing caucusing this year and all that. Um, but said, we're not going to have any issues here. But what happened in Maine yesterday? Because it wasn't a court. It wasn't a Maine court. It was their Secretary of State. Yeah, their Secretary of State issued a opinion, for lack of a better term, that uh, he participated, Trump participated in insurrection, and therefore, under the 14th Amendment, he's not qualified to be on the ballot. And, and he's not on the ballot in Maine. Now, now I, I assume that they will immediately appeal that. Um, uh, I haven't seen that because it kind of came out late yesterday, whether there's been an appeal already filed, but for sure that's going to get appealed. And we're already seeing responses from other states. La- late last night, you said you saw something yeah, out of California. California Secretary of State said Trump will will appear on the ballot. Nice. Will not be removed off the ballot. So, you know, the, the secretaries of states have a lot of power. We forget that's an important position in government. Um, a secretary of state can do a lot of things. Um, that, that affect elections. And one of those things is they get the first decision is who gets to be on the ballot, and then the courts get to make the final decision. And for example, for in Missouri, uh, you could the secretary could find that you are ineligible to be on the ballot. There are like tax issues, residency issues. What other issues could you could the secretary say that you're not on the ballot? Yeah, I mean, well, the secretary kind of you don't know what power he has until you exercise the power. I know that sounds silly, but you know he could say. I don't think you're a Republican. You can't be on a, on a Republican ballot. Now, a court will probably overturn that in the long run. But, you know, it's a political position. And a lot of these folks, including in Maine, they're making purely partisan political decisions. And when you run when you run your statewide elections office as a partisan office, you create 
questions as to the efficacy and the honesty of your system, no matter which side of the aisle you're on. Well, and you likely just gave Trump a bump in the polls. Because oh, yeah. People are going to be real angry about this. Well, particularly since Nikki Haley managed to stub her toe pretty bad yesterday. So Anything you know, Mark can do start, to take it. She slowly starts rising in the polls. She finally looks like she's got it. She has to... She's now, just yesterday, we were talking about how she had a good soundbite that would, what did Randy say, make it easier to vote for her or not so hard to vote for her? On the border, yes. She yeah. really came out strong on the border, but the Civil War soundbite was rough. Yeah, and then she had to spend a whole day trying to walk back the Civil War soundbite, which, you know, she even then she, I mean, I listened to the walk back, and it's like, come on, just... Nobody will say I was wrong or, you know, I'm sorry. They just all, she ended up saying, well, if you didn't understand and I wasn't clear enough, of course the Civil War was about slavery. And well, and then I saw someone like throw DeSantis a softball and say, what would you have said? And like that answer, what he had that ready to go. It was a very good answer, but he had a little bit more time and was not caught off guard by that question. But at the same time, um, I, I mean, we got another debate coming up here um, on CNN. I think it's the 10th of January. Um, and so uh, they will face one another again. But Nikki Haley has had some major flubs. The, the social media thing, and she seems to always bounce back. You know, she's just, she runs in a different lane, um, being both on her politics are slightly different than everybody else's, and then she's the one woman on the stage. It makes a difference. Well, and I just, I think that speaks to her strength, because this is not the first time that she's stepped in it. So to be able to have these flubs, which for other people would essentially doom their campaign, and to be still, ha- still have the momentum that she has, I think it speaks to fa- the fact that a lot of people are behind Nikki. Uh, you know, I think it, it's two factors. There's a lot of people that there's a lot of people that don't want Trump, and they're searching for somebody to not be Donald Trump, and that's I think part of the biggest problem that they're suffering with. The other one is is that uh, you know there's just a lot of people that can't just make up their mind right now. There's a lot of undecided people. That is certainly true, but they're going to have to make up their mind quickly. Those caucuses <laughs> are coming up quickly we are what 15 16 days away from iowa that's right something like that so they've got to get on it well coming up next we've got a new ai lawsuit listen to wake up in missouri from anywhere in the world by downloading our Bell here with guest co-host Mark Ellinger. Good morning, y'all. And we want to let you know we have some big announcements coming up next week. One in particular we hope you will join us for. That is going to be, of course, we're, we're celebrating the new year on Monday, but we hope you will join us our um, in the seven o'clock hour around seven ten on Tuesday for a big announcement here uh, on Wake Up Mid Missouri. How's also- that for a radio tease? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Keep an eye on our Facebook page, our socials, all of that. Um, and also, we want to remind you that you can catch tonight's Mizzou game with pregame starting at 5 o'clock on KWOS. Well, we talked a little bit before the break that we are going to talk about the open AI lawsuit. But first, there's this lawsuit here at home, and it's really got people we talked a little bit to senator o'laughlin earlier this week and she still seemed a little bit frustrated with her friends over in the house because it's got the now there are two entities it's not the actual house in the senate it is the campaign arms for the state house in the senate and they are on opposite sides in the courts over a redistricting case now we're going to need to back up because not everyone follows redistricting as closely as you do, Mark. <laughs> um, but this case went before Judge Beatum in Cole County yep. um, and 
Tell they, us. They tried the case. So this goes to the Senate maps, the 34 districts that are drawn in the Senate. So, for example, we it, that's very important here in Boone County because we know that, that the drawing of that map likely changes the outcome of our senator for many, many moons to come in that because we lost Callaway County. We will see Stephen Weber, who I've met and I actually think is a fairly reasonable person i say that now i will um but he 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 agreed at some point he's going to come on the program um but certainly that those maps have changed the way boone county will elect a senator yeah i mean previously boone county had cooper county as it's paired for the senatorial district now it's just boone county by itself because of the population growth so that will become a likely I mean, there's always miracles, but likely a Democrat. <laughs> Without a miracle, yeah. we're going to have Stephen Weber. Uh, okay, so if there's 34 of these districts all around the state. Um, very few of them are one-county districts. Uh, by and large, they're either split up of a couple of big counties, or mostly they're amalgamations of a whole bunch of counties. Um, Amalgamation? Amalg- amalgamation. A We're getting a vocabulary <laughs> lesson this morning. Whew, that's too many did it, too many syllables there. I, like, get, yeah, yeah, it's too early in the morning for all those syllables, Mark. Okay, it's a bunch of counties smushed together. Ooh, now you're talking my language. <laughs> smushed. Got it. So uh, the, the long and the short of it is, is the Democrats didn't like the way the districts were drawn. They filed a lawsuit challenging specifically two of them. Uh, one in the western part of Missouri that has Platte and uh, Buchanan County. The other one in the eastern part of Missouri, which is entirely in St. Louis County and is probably more of a intra-democratic party split, a fight between Democrats than it really is anything else. Uh, and we talked about this before. Doing maps on a statewide basis is, you know, it's like doing a puzzle. Because if you move certain pieces one way, you lose the ability to move other pieces other ways. So, you know, it's all kind of interlocking. If you change a district, um, that generally means you have to change at least one other district to offset the change in the first district. And sometimes it means changing four or five or six districts to make it work. So they tried the case in Cole County Circuit Court. Judge, they had experts come in. It was a fairly long trial with uh, expert testimony. The judge ruled the map that was drawn by the courts. Uh, which I think is ironic that the courts drew the map. Uh, the court's map was valid and would stand for this next cycle, which uh, filing opens in February. And now it's up on appeal. Now it's on appeal, and the Democrats appealed it pretty much at the last minute. They waited the longest time they could. I think their goal is to try to get an answer at the last minute and cut off the ability for uh, future appeals to change the districts. Uh, they filed their appeal at the last minute. The interesting thing was... You know, the Democrats lost, so they appealed. The state won, it appealed, or didn't appeal, it just defended its case. But the House Republican Campaign Committee, which is the Republicans' campaign arm, again, not the leadership, but it's functionally controlled by the leadership, filed a brief, uh, we call it an amicus brief, a friend of the court brief saying, supporting the uh, Democrats in this On case. the side of the Democrats. Now, the Senate campaign arm also filed a brief coming in in support of the state, which is really on the side of... Uh, well, but, but, you know, defending, of, yeah. uh, defending the position from the Democrats. But the House said, yeah, we're, we're in for the Democrats. And the Senate is saying kind of two things. A, like, why are you opposing us? And B, it's our map. So, like, why are you even comment, like, stay in your lane? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's interesting. And the, the brief that was filed by the Senate, uh, Republican campaign committee, uh, had some interesting language in it. It kind of calls out, 
the House uh, Republicans for saying, why are you interfering with this? This is our map. You don't really have a dog in the fight. And that this is at, you're actually not challenging it because you think the map is wrong. You're challenging it because your, can- your campaign consultant, in other words, the person who runs HRCC, has clients that have a vested interest in different maps in certain parts of the state, um, which is interesting in light of um, – that the the campaign consultant they're talking about, who I think is a really good guy and very very sharp at this stuff, was the guy who actually, uh, along with another friend of ours, Pat Thomas, um, were they were kind of integral in getting the house map passed uh, mm-hmm. that didn't go to court because <laughs> the commission was able to get that done, um, and you know now he's looks like he's leaving the House Republican campaign committee. Although I think that was something that was in the works for quite some time. I think so as well. Well, and I think the other thing that this, you know, we can get really nerdy, Hannah, and talk about lawsuits all day, but having those two... We're not already there? <laughs> we oh, are. No, we haven't even scratched the surface yet, <laughs> Hannah. You really want to go there? There's a <sighs> lot more lawsuits, but I think and in talking to Senator O'Loughlin, I think this is another layer on top of as we approach the legislative session that is now just a week away. You know, we talk about the tension in the Senate but amongst the Republicans, but the tension oftentimes between the House and Senate can also also blow things up and has in the past and so having this tension right before we open the legislative session i don't think is a good omen for the 2024 legislative they, session they weren't they weren't getting along all that well last year i'm yeah. not sure this is going to make it any better at all i don't think so well other lawsuits that are in the headlines um outside of missouri we've got this open ai lawsuit and i am completely obsessed now with chat gpt i wish i knew how to use it like better but i just <laughs> it's like fun it's like you just like ask it weird questions or i, I just i think it's helpful and i know there are practical and like real world applications I haven't had time to figure those out yet, but it's very powerful. Well, even just this week, we discovered a fun new AI tool. Oh. Like we're, we're always <laughs> learning more about AI, and they're always coming out with new things, and it, it's kind of fun. Hannah and I, can I say what we did? Uh, I don't know. I <laughs> We were kind of pranking someone. Uh-oh. Oh, that. Yes, uh, we can talk about that. She's not, that's not even the fun What's that the Hannah thought it was. What's the other one that we were using it for? I can't even... When we wrote the email... So, yes, I had to come up with a strategy plan to send to one of our bosses, and I didn't have a lot of time to <laughs> And do I said, it. put that question in chat GPT, and then see if, and so I think you got an email that says, like, you need to have a plan, and then five minutes later, you sent, like, three pages yes. of a plan, so clearly we got it from chat GPT, and we were waiting to see if they could figure out, like, like, and I, I did fess up to it pretty quickly, <laughs> but it was funny. We had a good time, but it is it's it can be very good, especially if you are kind of you need brainstorming or you're stuck. But this lawsuit by the New York Times has the potential to take it all down, right? Mark's Mark saying no, no, I don't I, think so. But I mean, it could be very, uh, it could shape the future of AI in the United States. I think the last thing you just said there's the most important thing we should keep in mind. It can only shape the future of AI in the United States. It will have no impact anywhere else in the world, including the biggest competitor we have for AI, which is China. Yeah. They, this will have zero impact on them. And I think what's going on here, and it's interesting, is AI only works because of the volume of data that you give AI. The data set. But, but it's the volume. But the problem it's, it's is... It's max volume. You have to put as much possibly as you in because that's what makes it work. And, and, and it still hallucinates. And all these news outlets... One of the things they do is they generate constant con- content. That's all that, you know, you look at a New York Times, they have their web page up. It's just constant contact. 
So you just feed all that content into the AI, like they feed every other piece of data that they get from everything you do in your entire life is all fed into AI to come up with patterns and predictive analysis and, and machine learning. So the New York Times, they've sued not only OpenAI, but also Microsoft, who has an AI component. And the, But the real problem is how they get the data. And so essentially it's scraping or web crawling, pulling all of the data from the New York Times and saying, and the New York Times is saying, you can't do that. Now, the remedy is a really interesting, and you know, you and I don't really practice copyright law, but I, you know, that, that's where I, that kind of raised my eyebrows because what New, the New York, New York Times is asking is they're saying, hey, you got to stop training your models using our stuff. Quit using our stuff going forward. Um, but then you also need to remove our content that you've already scraped from your data set. Now, this is a common remedy in copyright law, as I understand it, in that destruction of the, Offending Copy- property. Yeah. It would normally be a remedy that you could ask for. But how now with this data set and, and AI, you know, kind of takes on a life of its own, would you just scrape out or pull out the offending New York Times work? I, I think that's why the particular remedy is one that wouldn't work. So I think you're going to end up with perhaps some going forward process and probably a monetary settlement of some type or another. But I mean, this is, this kind of is scraping the, the, the top layer here when you think about it they've fed tens of thousands of novels into ai and there's a lawsuit going on by several novelists uh that are suing to try to to stop ai from consuming novels and potentially generating work off of it and what the real issue i think is is it's not that you're and i know the times has phrased this as you're bringing our data in it's really what you're spitting out using the data and it's that generative I- impact. So it's, it's what like you all ro- do when you use, you know, ChatGPT and you ask it a question and it scrapes through all this data that it's learned to give you an answer. That's generative output. So it's like robot plagiarism is what you're yeah. saying. It's like stealing other people's work and then using it as your own. And actually, if you put it in ChatGPT and it pulled from somebody else's work, ChatGPT doesn't even tell you where it came from. So there's no ability to attribute or do any attribution as to where that you wouldn't know that it was stolen from so-and-so's novel. And I think that's the bigger issue that the Times is really concerned about. It's, you know, that once they put things out in the free space, it's pretty hard from say people can't use it just the requirement is is you can't take their stuff and then reissue it without attribution to them well and with ai we've also had a lot of concerns from teachers at all levels of education with kids using chat gpt to write maybe a research paper or a book report or things like that and i was watching a tiktok this week of a college student whose professor accused her of having used ChatGPT to write her paper, and she swore up and down that she didn't, and the teacher was basically going to give her a zero. Um, she ran it through some program that flagged it as a high probability of having been generated by AI, and the student didn't know what to do or how to prove that she did not use you know, ChatGPT to write her paper. Yeah, how do you prove that negative? That's tough. Yeah, and, and these predictive programs that teachers are using, and there's, uh, they've actually kind of gotten fairly popular in certain sectors. Uh, those programs look for common errors that AI make. Hmm. Um, because, a par- you know, it's not perfect yet, so they look for these kind of common errors that AI make, and that's what they're using to flag it. Well, and there's been plagiarism checkers like that for several years now, but now they're running it through a plagiarism program 
and an AI detection program. That's Maybe they need to run the Harvard president's there uh, you go. <laughs> through that to see how much plagiarism she's getting away with in this world. It is a lot. Well, and the other I, the other thing is, is the lawsuit just a money grab? Because the way a lot of folks are getting around this is they're just making a deal with OpenAI and say, you can have all our stuff, but you got to pay for it. So maybe the New York Times will end up getting paid a lot. Well, they're losing um, money left and right, so I'm sure getting a settlement will help them. Yeah, and said, okay, last time, Mark, you were on the show, we were I was catching so much grief about when we started celebrating Christmas. I want to know, when do you take your Christmas stuff down for all those people who put your tree up on November 1st? This is Wake Up Mid-Missouri. Freedom of speech. Practiced here daily and perfected on the podcast. This is Wake Up Mid-Missouri. This is Stephanie Bell. I am joined by guest co-host Mark Ellinger. I've got producer Hannah and, of course, Brian Houseworth. We will have John Marsh back on Tuesday. We will also be making a major announcement at 710 on Tuesday, so we hope you will join us, and we are wishing you a happy new year. Well, uh, I just want to revisit our Christmas discussion because I caught a lot of grief (laughs) that I wasn't going to wait to put my Christmas tree up. And we have got a lot of folks in the family who said, you can put your tree up November 1. And I just wholeheartedly disagree. I want to celebrate Thanksgiving before we celebrate Christmas. But then I really want to know, when does your Christmas tree come down? No, Stephanie, when does your Christmas tree come down since you waited long to put it up? I, I mean, I'm usually, I usually like to get it down before New Year's, actually. Really? Wow, talk yeah. about Scroogey. I know. You put the tree up late, take the tree down early, let's get rid of Christmas. I usually have people over on New Year's, and so it just feels weird to be like celebrating another holiday and to still have your tree up. But I feel like a Christmas tree for New Year's isn't that too big of a stretch. It, well, you know, theoretically, you're supposed to keep it up for the 12 days of Christmas. Yeah. And the 12 days of Christmas are the 12 days starting with Christmas, not ending with Christmas. It's like through January 7th, yep. is that right? Yep. No. And and actually, I was just over in Germany visiting with some friends, and they put their tree up right before Christmas. They only do live trees. They put it up right before Christmas because they want to make sure that it's fresh through the 12 days of uh, Christmas. See, I'm there's like the a, real tradition. I'm like a fresh start, New Year. <clears throat> I want all that Christmas stuff down by the New Year, really. But I'm not. It's not going to happen for me this week. But it's such a big job to you know drag all the Christmas stuff out of the attic, set it all up, put the empty boxes away. Why not have it up for a while and enjoy it? Because it's not Christmas. All right. Well, so put it up early and enjoy it. I That's have, what I'm you know, saying. You can get it one way or the other. Yeah. I have. I was feeling very not hip yesterday because we are celebrating some additional Christmases, <laughs> and my uh, nephews are in town, and they are college age, slightly over college age, and they were all they wanted to talk to me about when I was talking like, "What's hot in the news?" Apparently, Kanye is back on Instagram, and it's a big deal because apparently he got kicked off for, and he he is just like gone off the deep end in my opinion and yeah this hasn't really changed he did apparently come back on instagram instagram to issue an apology um and and so you can read about his apology he but the craziest thing he's done i think well he's done a lot of crazy things i don't think he is back in a good space he's (laughs) issued these new um he's sorry but he's also selling new footwear 
And it looks like... And his Yeezy stuff is weird looking and it's super expensive. Yeezy pods are now available via pre-order. Apparently they're like a foldable shoe, but it looks like a sock. Like a mid... Like a... Like a sock Ugg boot. Those sound nice and supportive and, for your arches. And I'm sure they're just cost an arm and a leg. Because everything he sells <laughs> he in his is, Yeezy brand is crazy expensive. He is a weird dude. Uh, we're also getting other updates in that if you want your Apple Watch, they're back on the market after a brief um, a brief pause. So we'll talk more about that. And then we're going to be talking with Grant Norfleet, who was recently elected to the National FFA as a National FFA officer. That is up next at 710.